You're listening to Understanding the Law Radio, your business success and legal information station. Hi, and thanks for joining me for another episode of Business and Legal Q&A here on UTL Radio. I'm your host, Peter Lamont, and I'm glad to be back with a brand new episode. Hopefully you are excited as well. Um, before we get into things, I just want to make a few announcements. Uh, we're going to be adjusting the schedule, getting back to a, a minimum of four days a week, which I'm very excited about. We're going to be back to the uh, business and legal week in review on Monday, and then Tuesday and Wednesday with the Q&A, followed by Thursday, which will be our interview show, and Friday will likely be um, either a recap or something different. And I'm working on that now, and hopefully within the next week or two, we'll have a fun Friday show. I have some ideas. So I will keep you updated and let you know what we're going to do with Fridays. But needless to say, we're going to be back on a regular schedule, and I'm excited about it. So for today's question, I received a, um, an inquiry from a longtime viewer, and they had a question about this agreement, this engagement letter that they had received from an attorney who was representing them. Now, I don't know the full scenario. I'm only going by what they gave me in the email. But from what I've gathered, it's a situation where the plaintiff, who is the person asking me this question, had an engagement letter with his attorney, and an engagement letter, for those of you who don't recall, it's the way that it's an agreement, a contract between you and your attorney, right? Typically, it sets out the terms and conditions, what the scope of work is, and what you're going to pay. So this plaintiff had an engagement letter with an attorney, and in the engagement letter, the attorney referenced the fact that he can't make any guarantees concerning the outcome of the case, which is standard, and threw in something concerning the fact that the plaintiff, right, the plaintiff is the person suing, may have to pay the other side's attorney's fees if he loses the case. And the question to me is, what does this mean? I don't understand where this is coming from and why, if I'm the plaintiff, would I ever have to pay the other side's attorney's fees? So again, I don't have the case. I don't have any of the specifics. So what we're going to do is just generalize a little bit. But what this really is about is something called a prevailing party clause. Now, what does that mean? You know how I hate legalese and all that legal speak because it, it becomes confusing to the average person and, quite frankly, even to many lawyers. They don't understand it. So I want to break it down for you and explain what prevailing party clauses are. In certain contracts, you will see a, a provision about the payment of attorney's fees or what happens if you breach the agreement. And typically, it'll say something like, in the event of a breach, you know, each party agrees to sue in, um, you know, a particular state or a particular county, right? That's called forum selection clause. And there's also typically something that says the parties will bear the cost of their own attorneys. So what that means is 
if I sue you or you sue me pursuant to a contract, I'm going to be responsible for paying my attorney and you're going to be responsible for paying yours. So that's one contract you might see. Well, you'll see that it clearly specifies that you are not paying for anyone other than your attorney. Then there are contracts where it's silent on that issue. And the courts typically assume that if it's silent on that issue, that each side pays their own legal costs. Now, the third type of of provision is this prevailing party clause that we're talking about. And that says, if there's a lawsuit, the prevailing party will be entitled to the reimbursement of his or her attorney's fees from the other side. Now, that's something completely different than the other two examples that we were talking about. If you have a prevailing party clause in your contract, A, you need to be very, very aware of it. Because in the event that you do enter into litigation or a lawsuit, you have to know what that means. Well, now let's get into what does that mean? Well, it means what it says. If you win your lawsuit with a prevailing party clause in the contract, you may be entitled to recover your attorney's fees, what you paid to your attorney from the other side, but it also works on the flip. So if you're suing someone and the defendant prevails on the case, you, the plaintiff, may have to cover and pay for all of the defendant's attorney's fees. So it's this fee-shifting provision, right, in the contract. And it's a risk. It's more of a risk, some might argue, to have a prevailing party provision than it is to say either party bears the cost of its own litigation. Because at least in that instance, you know that you're going to pay whatever it is you agree to pay your attorney. Whereas in a prevailing party claim, you could be paying your attorney and then the other side's attorney if you lose. And as far as weighing the risk and likelihood of success, attorneys are not mind readers. Yes, we're trained to give you an idea, an estimate of what the likelihood that you're going to succeed in a claim is, right? I mean, look, no attorney, especially a plaintiff's attorney, no plaintiff's attorney is going to take a case that they believe is a loser because they're not going to make any money. I mean, that, that's the practical reality of it. So attorneys can analyze to an extent and they can give you an idea, but there are so many variables that come up throughout a litigation. I mean, you could enter into a case thinking that this case is a slam dunk only to have a witness that you did not expect testify at a deposition to something that completely upsets your case. So with respect to a prevailing party claim, when you go to your attorney and say, hey, attorney, um, should I sue? I've got this prevailing party clause. What's the likelihood I'm going to win? They're going to be able to give you an idea, you know, a guideline, but that's not set in stone. So knowing you have a prevailing party clause in your contract is important for you because it's important to know what happens if you lose. Now, why would somebody do this? Well, it's a deterrent, quite frankly. 
if you have a prevailing party clause in your contract, you might think twice before suing. If you have to bear your own costs, well, that's different, right? Because, all right, I've got a lot of money or uh, I, I know a lawyer that's a friend or I have a lawyer in the family. I'm just going to let them do it. I'm, you know, I'm not worried about that. That's the mindset, right? Because you're paying your own person. But facing the prospect of having to pay the other side's legal fees. Now, let's say in the scenario, you have a, a brother or a sister that's a lawyer and they're going to do it for you for free, but you've got a prevailing party clause. And the other side goes to one of these big firms where the partner's charging $750 or $800 an hour. Well, now what? If you lose, sure, you don't have to pay your brother or sister. They're doing it for free. But you now have to pay the other side. And that could be, obviously, substantial. So you need to be aware of a prevailing party clause. Now, in this particular question from you know this viewer, they're the plaintiff. And the fact that they're the plaintiff doesn't have an impact on the prevailing party clause because it's very clear whoever wins prevails. Whoever wins gets their attorney's fees covered. The only question left for us to look at is what is the definition of prevail? What, what does it mean to prevail? Does that mean that you go to trial and you get a jury verdict in your favor? Does it mean that you reach a settlement? Does it mean that you dismiss the case altogether? Well, that's a tough question because the definition and the sort of interpretation of the word prevailing or prevail is different from jurisdiction to jurisdiction. Some states might say prevail means if you conclude the case in a favorable manner to you. So in other words, if you get a dollar settlement, some states will say, well, that's prevailing. You got a dollar. Some states say that that's not enough. The typical explanation or understanding of the word prevailing means that you have either settled a case in your favor or have a jury verdict awarded to you. That's, that's typical. So that would constitute prevailing. What if you are a plaintiff and you go throughout the case and then you decide that your case isn't as strong as you thought it was and the other side is very resistant, putting up a, a good fight, and you decide to voluntarily dismiss your case? Well, some states say that if you voluntarily dismiss your case, you are not the prevailing party and therefore even though you are shutting down the case, ending it, no more litigation, you could still, in theory, be responsible for the other side's attorney's fees. So the moral of the story here is, A, make sure you read contracts that you're signing and you need to be aware of what some of these provisions are. From now on, when you sign a contract, I want you to specifically look for anything that looks like a prevailing party clause. Now, if you are entering into um, a, a lease or a mortgage, the likelihood that the other side is going to be willing to negotiate out of that prevailing party clause is slim to none. But if you're involved in a business transaction, a partnership, um, any sort of, of distribution or vending agreement, you're going to be hiring an outside contractor, whatever it might be, take a look because in 
smaller transactions, you might have some ability to say, look, let's take out this prevailing party clause and let's change it so that every party is responsible for their own attorney's fees. Well, I hope that that sheds some light on this idea of a prevailing party clause and helps cut through some of the confusion. I want to make sure that you have no questions on this because Again, when you go through a contract, I want you to specifically look for and identify those clauses. As a matter of fact, here's a little homework. I hate homework, and I'm sure you do too, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to find a contract that you have signed recently or within the last few years. Maybe it's a business contract that you signed with a vendor, whatever it is. I want you to go through that contract, and I want you to see if you can find a provision that talks about the payment of attorney's fees. See if you can find a prevailing party clause. And then email me. My email address is pl at pjlesq.com. Email me and let me know that you listened to this episode and that you went through a contract and found a prevailing party clause. I want to hear about it. I want to, I want to see how it's worded. And uh, you know maybe we'll discuss it on a future episode of the show. So make sure you do your homework. Look through some of your contracts and find that prevailing party clause if it exists in your agreements and be aware of it. All right, that's going to do it for today's show. I want to thank uh, the viewer that submitted this question. I'm not going to mention names because they were involved in litigation um, and I didn't get an opportunity to confirm that they wanted their name shared on the podcast. But I want to thank you. Thanks for being a subscriber both to the podcast and to the YouTube channel. And um, I hope that this has helped you. Now, for those of you unfamiliar with this show, maybe this is the first time you're listening to this podcast. We have a pretty uh, solid library of podcast episodes, and you can find them all over on utlradio.com. There's a list there. You can also subscribe to the show over on iTunes. There's links on the site to the iTunes and Stitcher pages where you can subscribe. And there's also a fairly extensive video library that includes some of the the older podcast episodes, but there's new stuff as well. A lot of law basics and explanations and how-tos, and you can find that also over on utlradio.com. It'll take you to the main page, and there's a video library link. You can also just search for my name, Peter J. Lamont, right over on YouTube and make sure that you subscribe to the channel, click that old notification bell so you can see when the next episode is coming up. I'm also working on a brand new YouTube channel that's just going to feature the live um, Facebook and YouTube broadcasts as well as the podcast. So stay tuned for that. Uh, If you have any questions or comments or you want me to answer one of your questions on the next podcast episode, please email me, pl at pjlesq.com. All my information will be in the description uh, of this podcast as well. And uh, the phone number, in case you want to speak to me, is 201-904-2211. And just make sure you reference the fact that you listen to the podcast. All right, that's going to do it. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. Make sure that you tell your friends, family, and colleagues about utlradio.com your business success and legal information station. See you next time. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Understanding the Law Radio. If you'd like more information about the show, or if you'd like to take advantage of our business and legal self-help resources, including our extensive video library, 
then visit us online at utlradio.com. You can also find us over on Facebook, Twitter, and on YouTube. Now, if you have any questions about any of the topics that you've heard discussed on today's show, or if you'd like to suggest a topic for future shows, please feel free to reach out to me directly at pl at pjlesq.com, or you can call us at 201-904-2211. Please also make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Also, share the information that you receive through this podcast with your family, your friends, and colleagues, and let them know about utlradio.com, your business success and legal information station.